Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome here to the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. One more day here inside the Posh Studios, the home of Blaze Media. And then uh, right after today's show, I'm heading back home uh, to Iowa. And um, I'm going right into the same heat that uh, we have here. But uh, I vowed after the worst winter of my life 15 years ago, I would never complain about heat again. And I'm not complaining now. Just for the record, I'm not. I'm just stating it's hot. It's extremely hot. But I would take this over winter any day of the week. Nobody's kids or wife calls you and says, I ran off the road because the road was too hot. All right, I would, I would take this as brutal as it is over winter for sure. Todd and Aaron, you guys are back there uh, in uh, Des Moines. You've got the 100 degree heat now there too. How's the new AC unit, by the way, holding up there in the studio? We good? Just fine. Yeah, I'm just fine. All right. Okay. All right. Because you know I can't handle broadcasting hot. You know that. So there's there's very few things I'm a blue M&M about, and that's one of them. I know I was making you guys nervous at the start of the show. I just walked in here literally 30 seconds ago. Um, I mean, somebody I just, you know, adored when I was a little kid uh, happens to be a, a resident here of Texas and came to the blaze here to see us and to meet me today. Uh, Daryl Evans. Uh, he's actually nice. here uh, watching us do the show. And uh, I think he's, I, I believe... He's, he's at least the first, if not the only, person who has ever hit 40 home runs in both the American and National League. So I, I don't know if he's still the only, uh, given the steroid era we had, but I know that he was the first. And I'm going to, Todd, I'm going to post this picture later. Of course, uh, he was the big free agent signing uh, for my Tigers that kind of helped put him over the top uh, in 84 with that great team that started 21-4, and 35-5. and five. Uh, won the World Series, went wire to wire in first place. I mean, so many nights uh, you know, watching all of those games. I remember that entire lineup. And uh, I'm going to post a picture later, Todd, as, as a guy who went to umpire school. Yes. And is, loves and loves baseball as much as I love college football. I mean, I love baseball, but I love, love college football. You love college football, but you love, love baseball. Is that a fair characterization yes. of, of our yes. two pursuits here, sporting-wise? Okay. Um, I, got to, I got to wear Daryl Evans' 1984 World Series ring. That's the stuff, I man. got to put it on. I mean, you've got 84. That is. I've got 82. You won. I lost. But, you know, Robin Young, yeah, Paul Molitor, yeah. that... That's where we were. Yeah. It, that's where the so, seeds are Cecil planted. Cooper. I remember yes. those teams too. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. And those man. Harvey's wall bangers or something. Is it, yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was speechless. Amy looked at me and said, wow, this does not happen very often. You don't know what to say. And I, I didn't know what to say. I, I was suddenly transported back to summer nights, sneaking in, watching the TV after my parents went to bed while the Tigers were on the West Coast and we're on the East Coast, you know, Michigan. So it was a school night. It might be like 1030 at night and I'm staying up at 10 years old at midnight to see if, you know, the, the road winning streak will continue. And so uh, that was a uh, uh, that was that was a lot of fun. That, that right was a lot there. of fun. And here's here's that right there. I'm just that's the Samwise Gamgee moment that I there's something good in this sports world and it's worth fighting for. That's w- why we love sports. You what know you're what I was, talking about. Yes. Yes. In fact, I was going to even make the point even broader that you just made, brother. I was going to say this is in some respects. I, I know the we are we are we are playing for existential stakes in the culture right now. And, and I, you know, I, you're not going to find a lot of shows that 
can even get on the air these days that more and 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 uh, and more clearly articulate that on a regular basis than we do. But here's the thing too that it's these kinds of little things that in many respects are what we're really fighting for. The we're playing for existential stakes. But here's the thing, if you win the existential stakes, then you are rewarded with the opportunity to enjoy moments like what you and I were just talking about. Yes. You you get you get to you get to those are the those are the things that make the the doldrums of daily life. I get up, I work, you know, I'm I'm a cog in a machine, I punch a clock, I come home, uh, you know, I and I do it again every day, every day, every day until I retire. Um and in between, it's those things. Because you're not getting a, 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 you're not having a kid get married every year. You're not having a grandkid every year. You're not having a kid every year. You're not getting married every year. At least you shouldn't. Okay. I mean, those may those are the major benchmarks in life that we remember. But if everything goes well, they only happen, and many of them only happen once or a few times. Okay. And and so what 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 is it that fills our time in between the rest of those major benchmarks? What is it that keeps us going, that gives us joy, that puts fuel back in our tank so that we can get up and continue fulfilling our responsibilities and, and, and going to work and paying the bills? What, what is it? It's the kind of stuff that we were just talking about here for the last few minutes. Those kinds of things. There, I don't, there's never been a society in the history of this world that provided more freedom and prosperity for people to have those kinds of moments um, that just frankly make life more fun than maybe it's ever been in any other time uh, as a human being. Right, and we're pissing it all has. away. We're pissing and, it all away. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And and that is worth fighting for. And and that's the, that's the prize. So so if we if we win the existential battle, what's the prize? This kind of conversation that your kids will get to sneak up, get to uh, sneak behind your back and stay up too late watching a meaningless game that ultimately doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things but that th- that but but that emotional tie that distraction from I'm getting bullied at school I'm not doing well in school the girl a friend I had uh, turned me down or dumped me all that other stuff you don't remember that stuff as much as man I remember when I I remember when I woke up or when I met this person or when I got to do this and when I got to go there all right those are the things that get to, just imprinted in the brain and you can still even go back there when you remember that and suddenly all the other stuff that's going on that maybe you're not fulfilled with and and you're not satisfied with suddenly goes away and the tank refills and you're ready to go back to the grind that's the prize that's the prize and as as you've pointed out many times todd we've inverted this paradigm yes we have we have made the small things the existential things at the expense of the existential things the existential things go by the wayside and so now now, you know, I, I, I know more about my favorite team than I do my school board. Now I know more about my favorite team than I know about my governor or state legislature. Now I know more about my favorite team than where my, you know, my, my investments in my, in, my, in my retirement are going and, and what kind of causes and uh, ESGs and, and DEIs are those funding. I, the D, I, I, sweat, I don't sweat the details on the major stuff, but on the stuff that in the end all will go away if we don't sweat the details on the major stuff. We've inverted that paradigm. And that's why we're in danger of losing all of that. We're yes. in danger of losing all of that because our priorities are out of whack. And the I, the fact and and just the fact that I got to have this conversation here, where you know where where we broadcast from, and 
as a network, we're, ha we're having serious, serious existential converse, cosmic levels of conversations as a network on multiple, on most of our shows every day. And yet here in the midst of this, I got to meet a guy that I just, you know, uh, who played for a team that I just adored and has a f special place in my heart for the rest of my life, kind of just brought all of that home. A reminder. Who are we fighting for? Our kids. That we can pass on an American legacy to them. But ultimately, what are we fighting for? What is that American legacy that, that we get to enjoy, that we worked and fought hard enough that while we now have earned the right to enjoy the accoutrements of the freedom that we, that we fought for and we earned. And we're not willing to fight for it and earn it as much as we used to. And that's why all this stuff is now not to be taken for granted anymore. Now there is a real threat that we won't be the generation that will just automatically pass this on to the next one. All right, coming up on the show here today. I had no idea I was going to turn meeting a, a, a former Major League Baseball All-Star into a 10-minute ten, a ten homily to start off the show, but that happens. Tremendous. All right. Um, I, <laughs> uh, coming up on the show today, Dave Reboy is going to join us and give his review of uh, last night's GOP debate. Uh, that's coming up at the, the bottom of this hour. Uh, we're going to continue our Theology Thursday study on kingdom politics uh, that is from Dr. Tony Evans, who's from right here in Dallas, by the way. Returning God to Government. We'll have that conversation. Uh, my daughter, Anastasia, will be joining you guys in, in studio uh, later today uh, for three non-political questions as well. And as we're talking about the opportunity to pass on the, the gifts and uh, the blessings of being an American that previous generations fought for, previous generations sweat for, died for, and now we are taking for granted— Part of what our generation is going to have to do is build a parallel economy. That's just, a, there's no way around that. I mean, too much of corporate America now is really not corporate America anymore. We don't have Lee Iacocca CEOs anymore. We have globalist ones. And they view themselves as part of a global community now, not part of a unique American experiment. And so this is happening. Well, we are building the parallel economy. It's, it's taking maybe longer than we had hoped. Thankfully, though, there is one place where it is fully operational and ready to go and that's with our mobile phones and that's a product that we all have to use these days so make the switch now to our friends over at patriot mobile they are really america's only american mobile phone company uh that remains they do not take the money you gave them and then use their profits uh to take away your principles they actually uh, have the same principles you do uh and they actually fund the causes that you believe in they also have a hundred percent u.s-based customer service team that makes switching easy in fact, what do I mean by making switching easy? It's not just switching from the provider you have now to Patriot Mobile, but even when you're with Patriot Mobile, if you decide, hey, I've moved to another part of the country, I need a new network that maybe has a stronger uh, connection than where I'm at right now, you can switch anytime you want for free. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They've got extra ways to say thank you for your service. For the rest of us, uh, you can get a free activation with the offer code Steve when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve or call 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. All right, let's get to it. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by The Debate. Well, that was something Nikki Haley started things off by reminding everyone our current economic woes were caused by Republicans during COVID. No one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. No one has told you how to fix it. Ron DeSantis pivoted to his record on COVID early on. Why are we in this mess? Part of it and a major reason is because how this federal government handed COVID-19 by locking down this economy. It was a mistake. It should have never happened. And in Florida, we led the country out of lockdown. We kept our state free and open. And I can tell you this, as your president, I will never let the deep state bureaucrats lock you down. You don't take somebody like Fauci and coddle him. You bring Fauci in, you sit him down, and you say, Anthony, you are fired. He also steamrolled over the Fox moderators, trying to get everybody to raise their hands to say they believe in global warming. Do you believe in human behavior is causing climate change. Raise your hand if you do. Well, look, we're not school children. Let's have the debate. I mean, I'm happy to take it to start. <laughs> Alexander. Vivek said this about global warming. Climate change agenda is a hoax. And here's what he said a few months ago. Climate change is also real. Mm -hmm. I'm not denying the under reality of the underlying reality that global surface temperatures are going up and in part due to human activity. Chris Christie had a moment where he looked at Vivek like he looks at a ham sandwich. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like <laughs> chat GPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. Tim Scott probably had the strongest answer on whether or not there should be a federal ban on baby killing. We cannot let states like California, New York and Illinois have abortions on demand up until the day of birth. That is immoral. It is unethical. It is wrong. And it was nearly an hour and a half into the debates before the issue of immigration was brought up thanks to Ron DeSantis. You're not doing what we need to do to secure our own border. We have tens of thousands oh, wow. of people who are being killed because what well, we're not handling both. And so I am going to declare time. it a national emergency. I'm, I'm not going to send troops to Ukraine, but I am going to send them to our southern border. When these drug pushers are bringing fentanyl across the border, that's going to be the last thing they do. We're going to use force and we're going to leave them stone cold okay. dead. And finally, welcome to Chuckle Hut. Kamala Harris? She uh, seems pretty senile too. She speaks in, uh, in rhyme. And, uh, it's weird. It's weird. But she has bad moments. And in rhyme? What do you well, the way she talks, the bus will go here and then the bus will go there because that's what buses do. And it's weird. And that's what happened while we were away. It is very weird. That is very true. All right, uh, Aaron's Montage is brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Folks, you know the world can change in a moment's notice. And we've already lived through several. Oh, that could never happen here. That happened here. We've had that happen already many times. All right, yeah, I mean... I mean, going back to when I was watching Daryl Evans play ball here, the idea that I wouldn't be able to go buy toilet paper at the store just was not a 
conceivable concept that cr- breathing would be criminalized that wouldn't be baby formula these are all things that we have all lived through in recent years so make sure that you are prepared with the three-month emergency food kit uh, from my patriot supply right now you can save 25 percent off each kit when you go with preparewithdace.com that's preparewithdace.com it's the biggest discount they offer it's breakfast lunch dinner even drinks and snacks the full complement of the 2,000 plus calories that you uh, neat each and every day and they've got over 16 types or about 16 types of meats and sides or meals and sides i'm sorry sorry that you can mix and match uh to make sure you've got variety as well stays good for about 25 years with proper storage and free shipping as well prepare with dace.com is where you want to go 25 percent off not your bill even bigger savings each kit 25 percent off each kit when you go to prepare with dace.com again that is prepare with dace.com all right. Um, I'm not sure where I want to go because I, I said so much last night um, on Blaze TV, and I'm, I'm not sure how much of our audience was tuned into that last night, and so I'm, I'm hesitant to just repeat everything. Um, I, 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 let me just give some big picture thoughts. Number one, I, and, and I understand. I mean, I've, I've been saying my whole career, this show business. I mean, I love Rush to Death. None of us would ever have our jobs without his success. One area where I, had, I do disagree, I always disagree with him on, I have no problems being called an entertainer. This is entertain. I mean, if I just sit up here and just, you know, recite uh, my views um, in a very tutorial, uh, boring manner, no one tunes in. I mean, we, there has to be a show business aspect to this. There, there needs to be some flair. It's got to be compelling. We're talking to people, not to robots. All right. Um, Nevertheless, this has become so soap, soap opera driven. If what we went through the last few years was like, yeah, let's make this a little lighthearted and the name calling and some of those kinds of trolling, the schoolhouse stuff made it more fun, uh, made it uh, you know, seem a little less rehearsed. Great. Now it seems in the last couple of years, this thing has become so show business driven that we don't even talk issues at all anymore. They're just not relevant. And I, I mean, I don't know if this is sustainable for an entire campaign. We'll find that out. You know, they'll do more of these debates. But I will say, I, I really enjoyed actually last night, much more than I thought I was going to. I, I, I'm an issues guy. I got into this for policy. To me, the, the difference between uh, our, you know, um, having to you know, fight this out hot in the streets and peaceably at the ballot box is policy outcomes. It's policy outcomes or it's see in the streets. Man, that's, there's no other options. There's no in-between. There, there's no moment where we reach a critical mass of memes on Twitter and the system is like, you know what, that was so clever and devastating, I'm doing something different. That's not how this works. All right, we either do policy outcomes, all right, or we have wars. I mean, that's human history. There's no in-between. There's policy outcomes or there's wars. And, and so I enjoyed actually uh, sitting there for two hours last night. In fact, I enjoyed the event much more than I thought I was going to. Um, I, I was... I, I, this is the first time, I mean, I'm always excited to come down here and see the team and the dinner that uh, the Tyler and Matt Peterson uh, took us to last, uh, the other night, place I was never going to spend that kind of money on, uh, was incredible. This Papa Bro Steakhouse was insane. One of the best meals I had in my life. So I, I always look forward to coming down here, but this is the first time I was actually not as excited as normal. Not to see, I'm always excited to see everybody, but I was dreading that event last night. I, I, just, thought, I just thought it was going to be sophomoric and dumb. I, I thought it was actually, we, we had some serious policy conversations. Serious. And we haven't had that on a national stage in several years. We are facing serious issues. Issues that memes and clicks are not going to solve. So I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I, I thought we had um, some very uh, necessary, solid conversations. I think you get a pretty good idea for the most part 
of where everybody stands. Um, I was fascinated by, I, I thought, I thought that Vivek, who is auditioning to be a Trump surrogate, is who we saw in the first hour. Um, and I thought the Vivek, who has serious ideas and thoughts about where we are culturally and generationally and where things need to go in the future, is who we saw in the second hour. I thought the, 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 the three or four minutes back-to-back with Vivek and DeSantis talking about education is probably the best three to four minutes of messaging on education in the entire history of the Republican Party, or at least since these kinds of uh, comments were televised. Uh, certainly in my lifetime. I mean, back to back, it was they were both very eloquent. I thought Vivek did a phenomenal job touching on the larger issues that led to the specific policies that DeSantis talked about, how he has confronted them in Florida. Um, and that's the kind of thing, man, for an ideologue like me, now you're speaking my love language. That's We're either changing policies, guys, or we're going to be shooting each other. Those are the options, guys. I know we live in this world right now. We're acting like there's some kind of in-between. That, that we're just going to so devastatingly troll leftists, they're going to be like, you know what? Shucks, man. I, you know what? I was going to kill a bunch of babies today, but then Trump had came up with a really clever nickname. And so I'm going to call Planned Parenthood now. We're just going to call the whole thing off. That's not how this works. All right, you want to stop Planned Parenthood from killing babies. It's not Trump nicknames that'll do it. It's Trump appointing the judges that'll overturn Roe versus Wade. That's what does it. It's policy outcomes. That's it. Okay? That's it. I mean, I think there's no, and there's no in-between. We will change policies or we will shoot each other. Now, I would prefer not to shoot each other. All right. And I'm 50 and it won't be me doing the shooting anyway. It's going to be my 16 year old son and yours. They're going to make them do it. And, and I would prefer not to sentence them to that. So I, I think it's time for more of a serious policy conversation. And I thought we got that last night. I thought you clearly saw two candidates were just in terms of presentation, presence, and knowledge, and, under, and, and, and understanding the moment. Many of the candidates that were up there are from another era, and a bygone era. Um, an era I wish we, it's like when Vivek said to Mike Pence, it's, it's not morning in America anymore. I mean, I wish it was, but it's not. We have to accept the world and, we're, and our circumstances for what they are and where we are, not what we want them to be or project them to be. That's wish casting. That's not reality. You know, and, you know, I mean, this is the NFL that stands for not for long. All right. When you when you do dumbass stuff like that and we have done it for too long, we have lived on nostalgia for too long. Nostalgia and tradition are not the same thing. Tradition is when we look back through history and see values and principles that have stood the time, the test of time. They are time tested. And 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 that gives us confidence that if we return to those principles and values again, then we can stand the test of time. That's what tradition does. Nostalgia is when we is when we actually make it look like the processes of those eras are the values and principles. And we had to like make it look and sound exactly like it looked and sound at the moment that I was comfortable or I thought I was ahead or my side had momentum or my team was doing the best. Take it from a, I'm a, I'm a Michigan fan. You know, Michigan has has made the mistake for, of, of nostalgia and tradition. You know, we went out and hired a defensive line coach, never been who had no business being the coach at Michigan, just because he gave us nostalgia. He coached here when we last won a national championship. Alabama football went through this for decades. Hey, wait, wait a minute! You once scrubbed uh, Bear Bryant's toilets, hired head coach. All right, no, I mean they finally broke free of that. Went out and hired Nick Saban. And he just returned to the fundamentals of championship football. It looks different than it looked under Bear Bryant. He has a different personality than Bear Bryant. Very Bear Bryant kind of results, though. That's tradition. Nostalgia is a paralyzing force. 
And it will have you reverting back to, remember, those were the days, that yesteryear. It's not yesteryear. The principles and values are timeless. The circumstances are finite and not. And it just seemed to me there were two candidates up there that represented the circumstances we're living in now, and the rest of them didn't. And that was DeSantis and Vivek. What I would love to see, even though it would probably result in Vivek and Trump ganging up together against DeSantis, I don't care. As a DeSantis fan, I don't care. Because my, I like my kids more than I like Donald Trump. I like my kids more than I like Ron DeSantis. I like my kids more than I like Vivek Ramaswamy or any other damn politician. I think this would be a, this would be a fascinating conversation. Is, the, is the, just the three of them on a stage for two hours. And at some point, we would get an actual debate about where the right is right now. Trump represents that. And then where the right is going in the future. And the other two guys would represent that. And that's really the conversation we have to have. There's no reason for, I mean, last night on Blaze TV, I gave out grades to, to Ron and to Vivek. I didn't grade anybody else. They weren't worthy of grading. They had no point to being there. They, it was a waste of time and energy. I think we just at this point now need to talk to the people who, need to, who actually deserve to be there. And speak to the moment and have actual real support. So moving forward, what will it mean? We'll find out. You have to remember... Um, if Twitter is your primary conduit to the political system, you're very rare. Most Americans are not on Twitter. Only about one out of five Twitter accounts are actually U.S. based. Uh, even with the growth under Elon, that still hasn't changed that much. Um, if, if also, also, if you look at it, about 7% of Republican primary voters are on Twitter, quote, a lot. 28% of Republican primary voters watch Fox, quote, a lot. So Fox has four times the audience of GOP primary voters than Twitter does. So if Twitter is your primary conduit, you may have, and that's, I mean, I live on there too. We have to if you're in the information business. You're going to have a different view of this than a lot of the people that watched last night. And the other thing to keep in mind too is you, if, you've, if you've been at this every day, like we have for a long time since it started, because we covered every day, you maybe wanted some things to happen because your view of the process is accelerated beyond the audience. The vast majority, man, and when I say vast majority, I'm talking like 70% of Republican primary voters, this thing actually didn't start for them until last night. And so you have to keep that in mind. All right, The movie's just beginning for them. For a lot of us that live and do this for a living and consume shows like this and are on political Twitter, we're like, you know, we feel like we're ready now. We've, we're halfway through the movie and we're ready for like the real action to start. But for the vast majority of people that are going to vote in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina and Nevada, and right now those are the only opinions in America that matter, they're going to vote before everybody else does. For most of them, this process, and for and for, for most of them, this process just started the other night, or last night. And then for the rest of America that hasn't seen these candidates, because they're not in those early states, that's even more true. All right? And so with that said, those are kind of my big picture thoughts. All right? Um, what did you guys think back there in the studio before we run out of time? Well, as you know, I had an opposite reaction in so many respects. I was just uncomfortably miserable the entire time. Uh, and because I agree so much with your last point there about Twitter versus things starting last night for most people, that's why things are going to have to go different down the road regarding people like 
like Mike Pence. People saw Mike Pence speak more, uh, define terms more on there. Not that I think he did it well, but what are other people going to think? That uh, He was unbelievably somehow Mike Pence got to alpha much of that uh, debate. I know what we think of him, but what do uh, others think of him? There were opportunities to hammer him on COVID. Transgenderism didn't come up. Well, Mike, Brand- his his view of of uh, uh, following the Bible, that's what got us to this point. There was an opportunity to bring that issue up. It didn't happen. You can't let Mike Pence do that. I, I just, listen, by default, because that thing was so miserable, and you gave uh, DeSantis a B, I think you nailed your analysis on that. He won largely because of how miserable everybody else was in my including Vivek. Uh, man, I cannot stomach uh, that guy. But uh, Mike uh, DeSantis, it, the, that's hard. It's right out of the gate. I get it. But he needs. To, he missed some opportunities on multiple issues there. He's going to need to come across with some A's. And if he does that, we're not talking about Mike Pence, Vivek, and Christie all talking more than DeSantis did. I, I'm proud of what DeSantis did. I thought he was solid. But moving forward, I have higher expectations as well. So I think a big picture, one, if, if there's anything serious to come out of this at all, is the fact that, man, Ron DeSantis didn't really take on any full frontal assaults from any of the other candidates. There are a, a few jabs here and there, especially at the beginning, but that's one takeaway for me. I think another thing is, if you are living on Twitter, like so much of uh, conservative media is, Vivek was a winner. If you are a typical GOP voter, I think he came across as a stereotypically pretentious millennial. And... Uh, um, I, I think otherwise, you probably had a, a good, uh, came away feeling pretty good about Ron DeSantis, uh, maybe uh, good about Chris Christie, if you're your average GOP voter, maybe not liking the uh, the, the act that he pulled on, on Vivek, I, I don't know. But uh, overall, I, I mean, I, I asked my wife, who is aware, but she's got a life, she's a mom, and basically there were no high points to this debate. There were no high points. There were no uh, necessarily anything that she uh, deemed memorable. So I think maybe that's an indication of where a lot of people are. Well, we shall see. And we'll discuss it more with Dave Reboy here when we come back. Stay tuned. The heat is back on. I mean, last night when we got done here at the Blaze, guys. Went out to the parking lot, 1130 last night. Guys, it was 95 degrees. At 1130 at night, it was still 95 degrees. 100 degrees back there where you guys are in Des Moines. So let me remind you about our friends over at Sweatblock. Now, maybe... Your issue with sweating is just the adrenaline gets going with oversweating. Hey, well, you know, I got to sweat some, you know, I mean, got went on a run this morning. I mean, I don't want to block sweat. You want to purge those toxins out of your body. We're talking about excessive sweating. Like if you're in a situation where the momentum gets going, uh, the, the adrenaline gets going, it's a first job, it's a first date, a public speaking engagement, right? And you're like, hey, man, uh, I mean, I can't stop myself from pitting. That's where you want to check out their antiperspirant wipes. They can help you with that. Uh, or even their deodorant stick, man. It, it is real. It, that deodorant stick from Sweatblock does not mess around. 
Uh, I love, particularly when it gets really hot, I love the deodorant lotions uh, that help with the, uh, shall we call them, uh, more uh, intimate regions that can get a little swampy when it's 95 degrees at 1130 at night, all right, like it was in Dallas last night. So go to sweatblock.com, use the promo code DACE, sweatblock.com. If you use the promo code DACE, you'll get 20% off, 20% off with the promo code DACE at sweatblock.com. All right, let's discuss last night's debate uh, in more detail with Dave Reboy. He's here with us, and Dave is a senior fellow uh, at the uh, Claremont Institute. And if you're on Twitter and don't follow him, you're missing out. And if if there's anybody that pulls even fewer punches than I do, it is Dave. And uh, one of the things I like about Dave is he came up with a term that I have completely plagiarized. I've tried to you know, acknowledge him and give him a hat tip so I don't steal it on purpose whenever I use it. Late Republic nonsense. First of all, Dave, let's start with that. Define late Republic nonsense other than with all the evidence we see every single day already, brother. How are you? Hi, uh, great to be here. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate all that you've done with, the, with, with that particular phrase. Um, I find it hard to describe <laughs> other than just to say, look around and what's going on. And uh, um, it, it's it's very obvious to me. I mean, it was right. obvious a number of years ago that we're living in a period that is that is best for, you know, for a number of very good reasons, best described as uh, as late republic. And one of the symptoms that, of that is a tre- tremendous amount of nonsense. And uh, frankly, we saw a lot of that last night at the debate, um, I think. Um, and just, you know, the format of these things to me, uh, is, you know, encourages, uh, spectacle. It discourages serious deliberation. Um, it encourages, uh, glib, superficial, uh, you know, quick talking point nonsense. And, um, you know, but Mm -hmm. unfortunately that's kind of where we are as, uh, where we are as a, as a nation. I said this, though, and I said this last night on The Blaze. Dave, I said it here this morning to lead off our show. I actually enjoyed this much more than I thought going in. I was kind of dreading it. Hmm. And I, I okay. agree that we still had too much of that. But maybe maybe they've, maybe they've beaten, my, beaten me down so much now that my standards are so low, okay, that even last night's attempt, feeble as it was, to discuss serious topics and issues rather than nicknames and name calling. And hey, I, I love a good troll as much as anybody, but eventually we got to get around to the stuff that's going to actually, you know, determine whether our kids and grandkids have a future. It, it, I, I thought we right. actually discussed some of that last night. I'm not saying we discussed it well. I mean, I thought only two candidates on that stage represented any notion of, do you know what time it is at all? And the rest of those people had no business being there and represented a bygone era and paradigm. But at least, like, serious issues and in, in were being asked about. Now, not all of them. Somehow we got a question about UFOs and not about gender mutilation. I, I mean, that, that, we still had Fox News moderating this thing, for goodness sakes. So that's the kind of stuff's going right. to happen. But at least we had some talk of issues. I mean, think about it. This whole year has been no issues. It's just been nothing but polls and lawfare. And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but at some point, you know, and I, Dave, here are our options. As a, and this is the option in every society. Policy outcomes or we shoot each other. Those are the options. And I think the right has pretended there's like a middle ground where like if we come up with the one devastating meme that gets enough views, like Planned Parenthood will say, you know what, man, snap. We're just devastated and we're shutting down. Like Randy Weingarten's going to be like, oh, no. I mean, I, 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 look how bad I got ratioed on Instagram. 
Okay, guys, you're right. Teachers unions were terrible. We're going to stop doing this stuff to your kids. That's not how this works. And we have acted on the right for the last few years that it kind of does. So we have, there are two options, policy outcomes or we shoot each other. Choose one. Those are your options. Right. Look, uh, I, I'm smiling as, as you were talking because I agree absolutely wholeheartedly. I think that's exactly what it's about. You know, 2016, um, let's say let's say the um, the Trump media complex, the MAGA media complex that uh, emerged after Trump's uh, victory in 2016. Um, you know, I think they, a lot of these people got high on their own supply. You know, there was a saying that me magic is real. And it was all very self-congratulatory coming from a bunch of people who, you know, do me magic for a living. So, I mean, it's not unexpected, but it still doesn't mm -hmm. describe um, it still doesn't describe reality. You know, you, you at, I mean, at the end of the day, where I think we where I think we are in, in 2023, 2024 is that a bunch of people have figured out, hey, you know, we can persist at this. You know, our careers will be fine. Um, you know, we will we will continue uh, addressing this particular audience that we have, and we don't even really need to win elections. We don't need to do any of the policy stuff. The policy stuff is, you know, uh, you know, is, uh, is is fake and gay, as the kids say. And um, you know, we can just kind of subsist on memes, and um, and that is what's being rewarded in a lot of places. You know, you you see you see attacks on Ron DeSantis. I think the the attacks on DeSantis really from the beginning of the campaign and and before, uh, you know, far before he declared, was based on this uh, this idea that competence itself is somehow sketchy, suspicious, um, you know, uh, having having achievements and actually getting you know uh, um, getting down to to working. And notch, you know, notching real victories in the real world is, you know, proof that you're some kind of establishment rhino, mm -hmm. you know, when when uh, the thing to do is really to kind mm -hmm. of emote. And they've gotten themselves into a situation where, yeah, it's actually better for their bottom line. It's better for everything if things get progressively worse, because, hey, they'll always be around to uh, to complain about uh, how terrible things are. And um, you know we've we've created a a, a, a system in conservative media. We've created a system of incentives that uh, that rewards this, and is at odds with doing the things that you know. For example, you and I believe are the only things that will actually save us. So, what most excited you about what you saw last night, Dave? What most disappointed you about what you saw last night? So, I mean, I thought uh, I thought Ron DeSantis did well. Um, I thought he did well, in, in just because he, you know, he he held his own. He is he is not, uh, and never has been a particularly um, you know great uh, debater. I mean, I was at his debate with uh, with Charlie Crist, and you know, I mean, obviously he won commandingly. But he's not the, uh, you know, he, he's not the uh, warm and fuzzy, quick on your feet um, type of guy. He is, you know, what I what I like to call, you know, he is a killer nerd, and um, and he he is ruthless competence. And at the end of the day, I mean, I'll take that any day of the week. 
um, over someone who can turn in a more entertaining debate performance. You know, but uh, but that said, I I think he um, I think he acquitted himself very well. Uh, somebody on Twitter said, uh, "Hey, nobody attacked DeSantis. Um, could it be because they have very little room to make legitimate attacks on him?" And I think there's a lot of truth to that because, I mean, look, one thing I'll I'll tell you my biggest disappointment. Actually, my biggest disappointment, frankly, is that. Of everyone on stage, Ron DeSantis was the one, the only one who aggressively went after Disney. Um, he he ag- has aggressively gone after big tech. His um, his his position. I mean, the re- the whole reason why I've supported him from the beginning, even before he was running, was that he presents an alternative vision in um, in in government governance on the right, which is a, a rejection. Of uh, you know this this idea of you know oh we we all bow down to the free market we we let it operate the way it wants to do and uh, and uh, and we really can't can't uh, say anything when you know big corporations go woke and uh, and um, and and decide to attack their you know their 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 customers and and, and their citizens. Uh, using a tremendous amount of power to do so. So DeSantis is the only one up there who's like, you know what, on behalf of the citizens of Florida, I'm going to stand up against Disney. Um, I'm going to stand up against these big tech companies. I'm going to be very vocal in terms of the Bud Light thing. Everyone else was, I mean, Nikki Haley invited Disney to South Carolina. Chris Christie said it was, you know, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a terrible, a terrible thing to do what he's doing to Disney. Let them, you know, let them do what they want. Let them run totally wild across the culture, and, um, and you know, without consequence because oh, the 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 um, you know our fealty to the to free market principles prevents us from saying a peep about them. Um, so DeSantis was the only one who is kind of very strongly and I think very properly. Trying to uh, pu- trying to put them in their place, and uh, I'm disappointed that that didn't come up. I guess, as you said, with it's Fox News, so we shouldn't be surprised. Um, but uh, but that said, I think he should have brought it up. Um, I think he should have made more clear the differences that he's got with all these people on policy. What did you think about Vivek? Because to me, I, I thought that you, you know, having been around him here in Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, I saw in the first few months of this race a vastly different Vivek than the one we are seeing right now. And 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 what I saw, Dave, that. was kind of, well, there, there's the Vivek we see now that is frankly just a surrogate for the Trump campaign. I mean, he was really making, he, he wanted to make sure Trump was represented the debate last night, despite the fact he wasn't there. We didn't see that for a few months in Iowa. We saw the Vivek you saw in the second hour of the show last night. The one who spoke very eloquently uh, about the overall zeitgeist in the moment. That, that, that the cultural conditions, that the, the, the destruction and, and dismissal of the nuclear family, for example. I mean, I, one of the best lines last night was when he said that's the most effective form of government in human history is the nuclear family. Right on the money, man. He, those were the things he mm-hmm. talked about for the first few months. And, and he kind of talked about... The, the, the con- cultural conditions that led to the confrontations that Ron DeSantis has had as governor, right? And, and I think he really intended to have a serious discourse on the issues at first. I saw it with my own eyes. I emceed one of his events, Dave. 
And and I think after a few months, you just recognize, oh, the voters aren't serious people. You don't want that. Uh, you want a clown. Okay, so I'll go out, you know, we'll wear truth hats. I'll follow Trump around like a puppy dog. And, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, audition for first bishop of MAGA. You know, someone's got to take over when Trump leaves. He's 80, you know. Mm-hmm. I think he's figured out you guys want a brand. You don't, you don't want a conversation. And I think that right. you saw both faces of that political. And, and by the way, I've seen him in private. Very, just a, a husband and father, very sincere where that stuff is concerned. We're, I'm speaking strictly, when I speak cynically of Vivek, I'm speaking strictly of the, of the political presentation he's offering the country. I think he originally wanted to have a serious conversation. And I think he found out that most people aren't serious and just therefore has decided to kind of become what, what Christie called him last night, you know, Vivek chat GPT. But in the second hour, I think you saw the original Vivek and I thought he was very eloquent at times. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people who who know him and have known him personally, but I've never met him. Um, I have a strong aversion to, let's say, that his particular type, which is, you know, I'm not in the market for timeshares, and I don't really intend to be. Um, I hate the smooth-talking salesman <laughs> shtick that is like, um, you know, maybe because I kind of grew up around it and, and lived around it in uh, in you know, especially in, in finance in New York City, like I know what this is and I don't like it uh, right off the bat. But I look, I do agree with you that um, that he's kind of figured out a lane. And I think he has an appeal because, look, we're in we've seen over the last several years, uh, you know, and I guess, you know, you, I mean, you and I are, are kind of in this universe for for, you know, for right or for for. for uh, better or worse, but we've seen a proliferation of really interesting voices uh, on in, uh, you know, on Twitter and in podcasts and, and, and things like that, where, you know, social media has just allowed them to, to pop up. And, um, and it's kind of new to our discourse. And so when you see someone like Vivek speaking like a podcaster or a or a, a, an internet pundit, mm-hmm. it really puts into stark relief some of the old school politician types, because these you know I mean compare Vivek to Pence to Hutchinson to Haley etc. I mean even to, mm-hmm. even in many mm-hmm. ways to DeSantis in terms of presentation, and he comes across more like you know, a Joe Rogan guest or someone who runs a podcast than, um, than um, you know, someone who is like a professional politician. And that's appealing to, mm-hmm. that's appealing to a lot of people. Um, I think in the old days, we would have, we uh, uh, you know, in the old days when we were smarter, uh, many of us would have said, hey, you know, I like to listen to this guy, but, you know, I'm, I wouldn't vote for him for president. What are you, crazy? He's never done anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but in mm-hmm. our in our in this fallen age, um, thoughts like that maybe uh, are expecting too much of people. All right, we've got twenty seconds. Give me a quick take. How did this change the 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 atmosphere, the environment? Considering I would guess at least seventy percent of the Republican primary voters, the race actually began for them with this event last night. So, what do you think? So that's what I would say. I'd say this is this is the uh, this is the kickoff moment. And um, and I, I still think this, you know, the, the fundamentals are, are are really unchanged. It's uh, Donald Trump and it's Ron DeSantis and it's a bunch of people that, uh, you know, may or may not uh, do a little better or do a little worse. 
but at the end of this, it is a two-man race, which is it's always been. And um, and I think uh, I mean we'll we'll see from here on out. At the end of the day, this the you know 2024 is about one thing: whether or not people believe Donald Trump is the only and most important issue facing America. And the people who think he is will vote for him. The people who think there are much bigger things um, that we should be concerned about uh, will not. So we'll see how many people that is. Well put. All right, Dave. Good to have you on the show, man. We'll do it again for sure. God bless, man. Take care. Follow him on Twitter, guys. Dave Reboy. It's it's R-E-A-B-O-I. R-E-A-B-O-I is where you want to follow him on X, I should say. All right, we'll come back. It'll be Theology Thursday when we do. Stay tuned. back here with uh, hour two of the steve day show live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast <clears throat> steve day's here with todd erzin aaron mcintyre and all of you let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox which you can take advantage of by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook MeWe, and gab quietly we've come up to nearly fifty thousand followers on MeWe. I didn't know that many people even use that site, so that's pretty cool. Uh, you can also follow me uh, on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok at Steve Dace Show, and over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. There. If you're a podcast listener, please, if you have yet to do this for us and you would consider it, leave us a five star review. You might be like, well, I don't really like your show. I'd never ask you, but I'd never ask you to lie. If you don't like the show, though, I would ask you to keep that to yourself. Uh, if you kind of like the show, I would ask you to exaggerate. Just go ahead and write, uh, go right to a five-star review. We only want one in five-star reviews. If you leave us a three-star review, frankly, we're disgusted by you. Take a stand. All right? We're not here for three-star reviews. I mean, that's the friend zone. We're not interested in that. So we're either a five-star show or you hate our guts, and we completely, totally enjoy and respect whichever one of those two sides you come down upon, and, and thank you uh, for all of those five-star reviews. Uh, hit subscribe or follow. If you're on iTunes, I don't, did you guys know Stitcher's going away at the end of the month? Yeah. Aaron, did you know this? I did. What's, what are Android What are Android users going to use instead now? Google then? Play. What's, We're on there too. Okay. iHeart. We're on there Stitcher? too. Okay. <laughs> you don't. You don't know. You, well, you. You've it's got an old an iPhone, school. Don't you? I got nothing. Yeah, it's an old school podcasting platform. I love it. Okay. That, that's whole yeah, thing. Stitcher's. Just, st- st- the whole thing I just went right past my radar. This is how old I am. Yeah, Todd's like, where do I work? Yes. What am I on? What What, what is this thing? Uh, they got internet on computers now? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> Stitcher's, Stitcher's going away at the end of the month. Um, and so iTunes was already about 60% of the market. So it's follow there and not subscribe. And thank you to all of you that have hit either or one of those two things for us. Uh, and that means whichever new episode that we do each and every day immediately will download into your feed. So please consider doing that for us as well. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at pure health research, and they want to help you with their liver health formula. You know, we throw everything at our livers. It's one of the most important organ in the body. How important? Yeah. It only deals with, you know, 500 key functions in your body. That's kind of important. 
And as we get older, we put a lot of tread on that tires, whether it's alcohol, whether it's statins for uh, cholesterol, uh, about one out of five Americans still smokes cigarettes. Um, we've got issues, even if you use a lot of Tylenols, those things are safe over the counter for the most part. But if you compile that after years and years and years, there is a trade-off and your liver is the one uh, that suffers the consequences. As we get older, that can cause you to have a fatty liver, make it harder for you to lose weight and make it easy for you to lose energy. That's why you want to look at the liver health formula. It's an all natural supplement that contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that can help recharge and protect your liver. It's manufactured right here in the USA. It's approved by American doctors and you can try the liver health formula now when you go to getliverhelp.com slash steve that's getliverhelp.com slash steve make sure by the way that you also uh, claim your free bonus gift uh, which is a free bottle of nano-powered omega-3s for your heart health as well all right so getliverhelp.com slash steve that's getliverhelp.com slash steve all right let's continue our theology thursday study Uh, And this is from uh, Dr. Tony Evans, who's based right here in Dallas, in fact. Uh, His book, Kingdom Politics, Returning God to Government. And we're down to the final third. And this week we are talking about, um, we're into part three of the book, The Citizens of Kingdom Politics. All right, so what are the issues? Um, Who's responsible for them? Now we talk about the responsibilities of the people in a representative republic. And I want to read a portion of this. And then, gentlemen, I'm going to hand it over to you. I, I think this just kind of stands on its own. We can comment on it if you want, of course. But this is very powerful. Dr. Evans writes, We must revisit the principle of the covenant. The principle of the covenant. God operates his world through covenants. As a reminder, a covenant is a legally binding relationship that has been established by God. So when Dr. Evans talks about God operates his world through covenants, what does he mean? The covenant that God made with Noah or the Noahic covenant. That covenant was, the, see, the rainbow in the, in the sky. That is my sign as a covenant to you. I will not judge the world this way again. And that's why it's been co-opted by the enemy. And they've made it six colors instead of seven. That's the uh, sign of uh, seven's the number of God. Six is the number of uh, the Antichrist. I'm sure that's a coincidence. They've co-opted that, and they've made it a sign of, quote-unquote, pride or sin or rebellion. And the rainbow was actually given to us as a sign of God's grace and mercy. All right? So, But that's the Noahic covenant. God makes a covenant with Noah. All right? There's the Adamic covenant, the covenant that God makes with Adam. Go forth, multiply. I've given you dominion over the earth. All right? Um, so throughout the course of, the, of, of history, H capital H-I-S, God's story, God's history, he, he deals with ma- mankind via covenants. Binding, uh, Moses ar- articulates the covenant. All right, I've set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live in the land. And then that, is, that covenant is quantified through the law. All right, the Ten Commandments is, of course, the most famous part of the law, but there's over 600 other commands that were a part of that law as well. That was the covenant um, for the Israelites uh, to have uh, the land flowing with milk and honey, to live in the promised land. And that's what they were to obey in exchange for God making them his covenant people. This is what Dr. Evans is talking about when he says covenants. As a reminder, a covenant is a legally binding relationship that has been established by God. The more, now, again, this is key. Established by whom? Who's taking initiative here? God is. 
God establishes it. We we aren't able to establish covenant relationships with God on our own. We're sinners. So God always has to initiate. God establishes this. God calls Noah. God made Adam. God calls Moses. All right, so God initiates in every one of these relationships. He has to. We can't. We're sinners. The more you operate or function in sync with God and his rules, whether as a leader or even as a culture, the more you will progress as a society. Now, I want to stop right there for just a second because I've talked in the past about how our founding fathers looked through history, particularly at Old Testament Israel, but not exclusively that, and and tried to follow that covenantal, to emulate that covenantal history in creating a society, hoping, and you see this even in the founding document of the country, all right, the laws of nature and nature's God, we ask God the, 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 to judge us for the rectitude uh, of our actions. Uh, the, the uses of phrase by the founding fathers, the supreme ruler, the creator, the divine judge, the governor of the universe, I think James Madison uses that line on at least one occasion, okay? This is what we're talking about with we can't, our founders could not initiate a covenant with God because they're sinners. We, God has to initiate. They were trying to emulate one. They were hoping, and, and, because, and, and just to prove my point here again, how would they even know what God wanted? We wouldn't unless God initiated. We would have no idea what the character of God is unless he reached out to us. He displayed his character to us. He gave us his law. He gave us his word. We wouldn't know. We're sinners. We, in fact, even worse, we wouldn't want to know. And even after he's revealed this to us, most of us don't want to know. We suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. And we exchange the truth for a lie. Routinely. We don't want to know. And so, the founders would have had no idea how covenants worked unless God had initiated them throughout history. They wouldn't have come up with that on their own. They couldn't have. They're humans. The more you operate or function in sync with God and his rules, this is what the founders did. They operated and functioned in sync with God and his rules. Whether as a leader or even as a culture, the more you will progress in society. And because they did that, this became the greatest society God's ever permitted east of Eden. A covenant is like a football on a football field. Everything must be properly aligned to the football. If something is not properly aligned, for example, players setting up ahead of where the football is on the field, it's a foul or a penalty. Depending on what the player is on, it could be called being offsides or an encroachment. Similarly, if a player fails to handle a football properly and he drops it, it becomes a fumble. When the football hits the, hits the plane of the goal line, it signals a touchdown. When a football goes through the uprights, it becomes a field goal. In other words, everything depends on where everything else is in relationship to the football. Likewise, in God's kingdom, everything depends on where everything else is in relationship to the covenant. This is true of the family. It is true of the church. It is also true of institutions. Something our colleague Oron McIntyre has said frequently, if you follow him, is there are no neutral institutions. And for too long, conservatives acted as if there were. Somebody's worldview will be exercised through and, and, and through that institution. An institution will be a conduit of somebody's worldview. That's what he means by that. No neutral institutions. And Dr. Evans is quantifying that here. Either you will create institutions that are in line with God or in rebellion to him, and there will be no in-between. Maybe for a while it will look like it'll be in-between, 
maybe for a while it'll look like, hey, you just you created a secular charity and it has no there's nothing sacred about it at all, and it does a lot of good work, so we should be a part of it. That will hold true for a while. And then eventually that secular charity is marching on in a pride parade. Eventually that secular charity is going to say, we, we think gender, gender mutilation is great. Libraries are a great example. All kinds of books are there. Everybody's viewpoint is there. It's a neutral institution, right? Yeah. Until the drag queens, the creepers, the pedos, who probably should already have been locked up for being creepers and pedos, come in and uh, plant their hairy sacks on your kids' face and call it drag queen story time hour. Now it's not a neutral institution anymore. There are no neutral institutions. Something will be sacred or it will be sacrilege, and there will be nothing in between, eventually. And if it's pretending to be neutral, it's because eventually, when it thinks, it's, when it, thinks it has the jump on you or the numbers, it'll become sacrilege. The government falls into this area, into this arena of institutions and by God's common grace. I mean, what's common grace mean? That's what the founders meant when they referred to the laws of nature and nature's God. He has provided the opportunity for all people and nations to benefit from his instruction, orientation, and commands, or the laws of nature and nature's God. Thus, just as a football determines whether a team or player is in alignment with the rules of the gridiron, how civic leaders function, both in private and in public, determines whether or not a nation is in alignment with the rules of God. Because of this close, of the, of the close, of this close tie between God's favor or judgment and the behavior, character, and policies of civic leaders, it is critical that we seek leaders who are in alignment with God. Scripture tells us in Daniel 2.21, that the success of civic leaders depends on God and we what he applies to them by way of wisdom. We read, it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. God determines the successes or failures of leaders. And he does so based on the rules of his covenant. Whose covenant? Uh, ours? Uh, society's collective thoughts. Consensus. Democracy. Nope. His. Every government that's ever existed in human history, every, every, has been a theocracy. We've only debated who the theo is and the form of theocracy. Someone must rule. Someone must be supreme. Even the first formal atheist state, the Soviet Union, was a theocracy. Human beings took over a building that was formerly a church called the Kremlin and declared themselves God and said, we are supreme. The Politburo is supreme. That's a theocratic statement. When you don't allow people to worship God, when you ban Bibles and say, this Politburo is supreme, you are satanic. You are following in the language of Lucifer. I will ascend. I will become the most high. I will be worshiped. Now, what I read to you from things like Locke and Hobbes and the New England Primer was standard operating educational procedure in this country, or the Daniel Webster Original Dictionary. This is how everybody was educated in this country for about 100 years. Now, it's been about 100 years since almost anybody's been educated like this. So this sounds radical. This, is, this isn't new. It's, this is the old magic. I mean, this sounds crazy. 
this is reality. Reality is not, I can change my gender. Reality is not, my feelings override my chromosomes. My reality is not, um, uh, you know, my feelings trump your facts. Reality is not, well, you know, I really only want to consider things that are true that benefit me. This is what I just shared with you. This is reality. When we ignore reality, when we go against reality, we have a word for when people do this. They have a condition. It's called crazy. I'm a turnip. I can fly. Monkeys will fly out of my butt. And it, it wouldn't matter how strongly somebody claims such things. We would consider them to be insane. It's, in, it's completely in violation of reality. Why can't you identify as Warren Buffett and therefore have complete access to all of his bank accounts? But you can identify as a different gender because there is no powerful political constituency allowing you to identify as Warren Buffett so you don't get access to his accounts. But there is a powerful political constituency allowing you to mutilate yourself so you can do that. That's not truth. That's not facts. That's not reality. That's just raw power. God is the most powerful being of the cosmos. But he does not primarily rule by that power. Now, sometimes he'll show it to you. Like why we needed the rainbow in the first place. Sometimes daddy will take his belt off and we will go behind the woodshed. But that is not primarily how God shows us who he is. Mercy actually triumphs over judgment in God's kingdom. Now, it doesn't cancel judgment. Every now and then, someone needs to be made an example out of. But, but God's kingdom tilts to mercy. Christ is the best example of this, not to judgment. No, God primarily demonstrates his character through truth. The enemy... He primarily demonstrates his character through power. And now I ask you, right now, are we a culture that more craves truth or power? Are we a culture that is more girded and guided by truth or by power? You are on the side of God's government, God's covenant, when you are a person, a family, an institution, an organization, a culture. You are on the side of God's covenant when you are a when you when your prime directive is truth. Even if you don't even understand that yet. Even if you don't even recognize who God is yet, you are walking in the light. Doesn't mean you'll escape judgment for your sins. That's not an exchange for your salvation. But in this world, you're in the light when you follow truth. When you reject truth, you will instead try to access power. For the purposes, by the way, of imposing your view of truth. That's why there are no neutral institutions. And they look from man to pig and pig to man and back to pig again, and they couldn't tell the difference. That's the last line of Animal Farm. Couldn't tell which was which. Because it wasn't about four legs good, two legs bad. It was about power. Will to power. Power is the enemy's dominion. 
the enemy's dominion is driven by the access to the acquisition of and the exercise forwith of power. And whenever you are a fan, an individual and in a family and a culture or an institution whose primary mission, goal, etc., is to acquire, achieve, display, and deploy power, you are walking in darkness. And it doesn't matter if there's a cross in front of your building. That's a dead relic because you're a dead letter. You're given over. We're in Revelation 3. Jesus has come to you and taken away your lampstand. You're not worthy of the light anymore. You rejected it. And so I ask again, which of these two paths are we on right now as a people? Light or dark? Truth or power? Wrong answers only. Todd and Aaron, your turn. I... It never fails to amaze me the providential timing of yep. things that we read in relation to current events when we didn't plan it that way. We couldn't have picked something better to read than this specific chapter the day after that debate because it is the alpha hmm. and the omega about everything that was wrong in that debate. And there is a lot wrong with that debate because the, the this isn't in it in their closed hand most of the time and even if it is in their closed hand on on some level on a personal level but they get caught up in a moment and it's not strong enough and it's it's almost like you know the seed that is on the uh, amongst the thorns or on the thorny ground it just goes away in that moment and this needs to be the guiding light of anybody worthy of our vote and because I believe so much in how Steve laid out everything he just said, this was actually one of my frustrations with the guy that, again, I support. I continue to support. I think he was solid yesterday. But there was a moment for Ron DeSantis right out of the gate. And again, so much pressure. This isn't easy. And uh, not only is it the first debate, but you, you're the guy that's probably going to get the first question. And it, it comes to you, and it's on a topic of the economy. That's understandable. That's an issue that almost it, it's the economy, stupid. In almost any era, you're going to get it. Uh, if that's not the first question, that's probably be the, uh, the second question, especially when things are hard. But I, my ears perked up because when they start out of the gate, and a lot of that was nonsense how that thing was run, but when they went Oliver Anthony right out of the gate, that was an opportunity, and it was an opportunity missed because of everything Steve just said. Because that song is about the breaking of covenant. He's lamenting that it's constantly us versus them. We, can we cannot see ourselves in one another. We loathe each other. And I, I said in a tweet, Ron DeSantis gave a perfectly solid clinical B answer on that but that was a moment to go to church and talk about that song they don't they don't want you to it's not only that they are dumb and or or making stupid policies that are making milk and bread and cars like Steve has talked about more expensive they don't want you to be able to afford them it's not that it's some weird accident that education has gone so run amok um, uh, that they're that that uh, the ugly truth of the matter is that then it's the spillover is that 
uh, our kids are being hunted? No, that lie, that is the point. They actually are. They loathe you. They hate you so much that your children are up for grabs. I, I, I think any politician worthy of your vote needs to listen to what Steve just said about this chapter or just go read it for themselves because there is no answer you give on any topic that should not be run through this filter. It's that important. Agreed, Todd. And something that Dave Riboy uh, commented on in the last segment, I think, directly applies to uh, a, you know, a thrust of the chapter that we're reading here. When talking about how actual accomplishment, actual, what is it, ruthless competence, amongst a segment, and I don't know how big that segment is, amongst a segment of GOP voters, that's actually looked at with uh, not curiosity, but actually a cause for contempt or a cause of suspicion. And I've been working on this hypothesis because I know people personally who are like this. I've been working on a hypothesis that, yes, it's not to sound like we the people are the victims here. We're not. We're always the ones that are calling the shots. That's, that's, we get what we deserve. But the Republican Party for decades, my entire life, has produced weak leader after weak leader after weak leader and has so beaten down its constituents that now the thought of actual ruthless competence is looked at with suspicion. I don't know how big that segment is, but I think Dr. Evans addresses it in the very um, beginning of this chapter. Leadership is a fundamental feature of kingdom governance. Political leadership will often show up in the policies politicians support and what they spend the majority of their time focusing on. But in addition to how a politician votes or a civic leader presents or supports various legislation, we should also be concerned with the person as well. In God's kingdom, having the right person with the right policies packaged together is how a culture and country progress as well. When the two become disconnected, you have the wrong policies or the wrong people and you've set the nation up for an increase in conflict, confusion, and even regression on a global scale. Is that not what we have seen? Forget the Mm -hmm. Democrats, forget the left. Is that not what we have seen on the right? We talk about the relationship between the GOP, the party, and the people that they claim to represent. We've talked about that as a battered wife syndrome. What happens, though, in those types of of abusive relationships. More often than not, the battered wife, once she does break away from that abusive partner, either will go for the clown, kind of the caricature of masculinity, or will reject it all together. All men are like this. And if I see a man who actually does seem to say that he loves me, or does exhibit the, 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 the qualities of, of biblical masculinity, I immediately look at that with suspicion because all men are like this. It is a direct, now again, with the caveat that in our system of government, we were, it was only made for immoral and religious people and we have failed our civic duty. I believe we are at the stage now 
when it comes to right-wing politics. And again, this is not supposed to be necessarily, we're not trying to make this into a Republican type. Right-wing politics. There is, I believe, this is my hypothesis, there is a significant number of people who have been so beaten and battered by the failures of leadership within the Republican Party for decades that when somebody actually comes along that actually shows, hey, everything that you've been voting for that you haven't gotten can actually be done, that's looked at with suspicion. And revival is the only way you bust that paradigm. It's the only way. Again, I don't know how Mm -hmm. big of a segment of people that is, but I'm convinced it's, it's not insignificant. Postmodernism is like locusts. If you let if you let locusts free and allow them to consume a crop, they don't sit there and say, we're satiated, we're good here, see you next year. They then look for just the next field that they can now destroy. For a long time, we saw postmodernism as being unleashed upon the left in America. The abandonment of truth, therefore the replacement of, go- of groupthink, the gaslighting, as Todd likes to say, the lie is the point. And we watched this happen for several decades to the left in America. And the locust, of, uh, the, the locust that is postmodernism has completely consumed the left. There's, there's no tinder there left. There's no crop there left. All that's left are husks. It's all gone. The locusts have eaten it all. The locusts then turned to the right and said, huh. There's some foliage over there. The meat's back on the menu, boys. Meat is back on the menu, boys. Yeah. And we are increasingly now watching this happen to the right. And that's, that's, that's what Aaron is describing. That, again, there are no neutral institutions. Right, right or left, left or right, up or down, liberal, conservative, nationalist, libertarian, Marxist, pick your ideology. There are no neutral institutions. Everything is either pursuing light or dark, sacrilege or sacred. Everything is. Even if they don't explicitly understand it, they don't explicitly declare it. Those are the only two options. They have to be on one. There's only two roads. There's no middle road. There's no middle road that exists. And the locusts of postmodernism are now feasting on us. Three non-political questions are next. Folks, if you've got odors in your home you just can't get rid of, don't use an air freshener. Try an air purifier. Like the one made from our friends at Eden Pure, their thunderstorm air purifier smells, odors are no match. Whether it's the cooking smell, did your teenager burn the microwave popcorn again? Uh, whether it's the cigarette smoke, whether it's litter boxes, trash cans, maybe it's you got a teenage son uh, and you're finding, wow, man, I hope I didn't smell like that during off-season uh, conditioning. 
Not that I have any experience with that. Whatever it is, mildew, smell in the basement, no match for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Ear Purifier. It's also filterless, so you won't have to replace the filters out of pocket or out of your own time. Uh, these things work great. The amount of positive feedback we have gotten on these since they came on board a couple of years ago has been pretty extensive. People love this product. Now, you can try three units for under 200 bucks. Three units for under 200 bucks when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use the discount code Steve. Discount code Steve at EdenPureDeals.com plus you get free shipping EdenPureDeals.com discount code Steve and with that it is time for three non-political questions we all have questions who am I? why am I here? where am I going? who am I? a search and a question of identity why am I here? a question of meaning and purpose where am I going? question of destiny some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. There she is. Hey, Dad. A much Hey, a much prettier face. However, that, that seat does not belong to you, sweetie. I do love sitting in the seat, and I think it looks better on me than it does on you. <laughs> Well, almost anything's going to look better on you than it does on me, but that is still my seat. All right. You're going to wait your turn. That, that may be your seat one day, young lady, but today it is not yet that day. All right. I am a patient person. All right. So what do you have for us today? I know you're very patient. I know. <laughs> my first question for you're you. You're known for your patience. You're, you're very well known for it. In fact, in our family, we all, we, we, whenever we talk about you on your back, we talk about how patient Anastasia is indeed. Yes. My first question for you guys is, what is a piece of advice that you're glad that you ignored? What is a piece of advice that I'm glad that I ignored? Um, every time I've been told, you know what, I'll, I'll use this. Um, there's a gentleman who I have a great amount of fondness for and respect for, and, uh, was has has been very gracious to me at times in my career and uh, maintained a great relationship with him for years but early on when him and I got to know each other when I was first starting out on my own nationally um, we did not get off on the right foot and uh, one day I was in an I was uh, at the Des Moines airport waiting to jump on a flight to go do a speaking engagement in Atlanta and he called me and I picked up the phone because it was him and he proceeds to read me the riot act. I mean, he is just, you know, you're too radical. I started off being like you. And then I realized you can't get things done that way. And you're going to burn yourself out. You're not going to have any kind of career. This conversation was about 11 years ago. So maybe I've lasted 11 years longer than he thought. But uh, you're not going to have much of a career. Um. You know, you need to learn from other people who understood how to, to moderate and be more reasonable. And he said to me, can you, I mean, you know, can you, can you come up with a biblical, any biblical examples that justify your approach to what you're doing? And I shot back to him right away on the phone. Jesus said about John the Baptist, who stood out in the street and called uh, King Herod uh, a whoremonger to his face. Uh, blessed, no man has uh, born of women has ever been more blessed of he. Blessed is he. That's what I said to him. And man, the phone got real quiet. You know, and then I kind of thought maybe I should not have said that because this guy could like end me if he wanted to. 
and we went on and had a great relation have had a great relationship for years but um that's the most pressure i have ever felt i was new at this uh sweetie you were young your brother and sister were younger i mean i had to feed you guys i'm out on my own i'd left the comfy confines of who and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to do this thing independently and, and network and build relationships. And I needed this relationship bad. And uh, uh, that's the most pressure I have ever felt in this business to sell out by far was that moment. And I, I'm glad I didn't. And I because I was able to withstand that moment where, you know, we were living paycheck to paycheck we just didn't tell you guys that. Um, but uh, because I withstood that moment and didn't, um, you know, I was, I've was i been able to withstand other moments since then where I haven't felt nearly the pressure that I did that day. Good timing for this uh, since all, all of us on the show recently are being accused of never standing for uh, anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Back when I was at the uh, Des Moines uh, Register and got uh, arrested and uh, assaulted and wrongly accused of things, advice of counsel, so, and uh, my attorney, great guy I'm friends with to this day, Steve knows who he is, he he, he did not encourage me to take this, but uh, there's such a thing called an Alford plea, where it's kind of a wink and a nod, and you don't admit guilt but it's it's not a statement of innocence either it's just kind of we all walk away with blood on our with you know dirty hands a little bit on this and i said no way absolutely no way i didn't do anything wrong i uh i did my job i did nothing unethical um we're riding this out ride or die and uh i i was given a gift in that uh in that moment, uh, the trial was all over because I uh, uh, stuck it out. Again, I told you a couple of, you know, the Lord said they came after me. What do you think they're going to do to you? I, I, I firmly, I needed to find out. I needed to go through this. I needed to see where uh, uh, my resolve was. I needed to have my wife and my children uh, look at me uh, in a certain way, come what may. And when that trial was done and you're just waiting for the jury to come back and that was during the trial, I didn't have much anxiety, even confronted with the decision at the time. But when you're waiting and you're feeling that anxiety and I, I felt the still small voice of God as powerfully as any other time in my life. And he just told me, I got this, but you don't have those moments unless you're willing to do the things Steve just talked about. Go out there. Do you trust me? And I did. And uh, I thank God uh, for revealing himself uh, to me in that way very often. I think my my wife and I met each other and got married in, in less than a year. And whether it's internally or externally, there were never any overt things like hey you want to take a little bit more time but there's always mm-hmm. innuendo and ignoring that was probably the best thing that, that best decision that I ever made I think she would probably she's she'd probably tell you the same thing as well the blessing of being married to a woman like that now we have a, a child together who's awesome and just kind of the 
the way God th- worked things out and the blessings that he's given us, I, I don't see how my life could have been any better over the past almost four years now. Those are all great In answers. other words, in other words, Aaron, act now before she figures you out. Correct. That's what I heard you say. Correct. There. Yes. Yeah. Smart. Yes, absolutely. All right, before we get to question two, all right, before we get there, uh, a word from our friends over at Relief Factor. Uh, we all struggle, particularly if we get older, uh, with chronic pain from time to time. That's the, the pain from too much inflammation in your body, uh, pain in your joints, um, you know, uh, your neck, your knee, your back, etc. cetera. Uh, if that is you, uh, make sure you check out Relief Factor. It is the all-natural anti-inflammatory, uh, drug-free, but created by physicians who can prescribe drugs, but they understand that if it's possible to come up with a natural solution, take advantage of it. And not, it's, it's not always possible. And sometimes you need meds, and so take them. Uh, but uh, in this case, we think it's at least 70% possible that this will do the trick. Why 70? Because over the years, they've done this thing called the three-week quick start at Relief Factor, where you can start for three weeks for just 20 bucks. And what they have found is about 70% of the people who have taken advantage of this have stuck around long-term because of the results they saw in three weeks or less. So if you want to take that challenge, what do you have to lose for 20 bucks? See if you don't see a difference in your pain, achiness, soreness in three weeks or less when you go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com or call 800, the number 4-RELIEF, 800-4-RELIEF. Question two. So my next question for you guys is what is the best prank or practical joke you've ever pulled on someone or someone has pulled on you? So, um, Mr. P- the late uh, Mr. Pugno, my uh, senior government teacher in high school, there was always a tradition of a senior class prank against Mr. Pugno. And uh, uh, he was a, uh, a big Michigan State fan. And so... Uh, my buddies and I, uh, our senior year, uh, we kidnapped his podium. He spoke from a podium. Uh, we, we kidnapped his podium, and we took it down to our buddy Tom Neese's basement. And uh, we painted it maize and blue. And he, like, reported it stolen and everything else. And so a, a few days later at the assembly before the high school football game uh, that night, uh, we presented it uh, to him all painted maize and blue. And I began in front of the whole school, I began like an impromptu, let's go pug, no, kind of a chant. All right. Well, this thing kind of caught on. And so what I started doing is I would like get a, a pass, a hall pass in other, from other classes. And I would sneak into the back of Mr. Pugno's class. I mean, classes I was not in and just stand up and we'd start doing the Pugno chant just at this the whole school year. Uh, one year I brought one, one day I brought a, a bag of super balls into class. I gave it to everybody in the class. And so when he would turn around to the board and start writing on the board, we would just all start launching the super balls around the room. And he'd turn around, they're like bouncing off the walls and everything else. He would give these lectures and people would fall asleep. And I mean, I would stand up at the end and like give him a standing ovation and have the whole class get up and give him a standing ovation. Well, we showed up one Friday night at his, he showed up one Friday night at his house and uh, we were just all out there at his house playing basketball, like at midnight in his driveway, just hanging out. Hey Al, what's going on, man? And uh, we used to call, prank call him and we all had our own thing with the prank calls. I used to call him and do the Chinese restaurant. And I used to call him, because he was deaf in one ear, kind of like I am now, so I guess I deserve this. And, uh, and I used to, we used to call him up and, uh, and I, chicken and pork, chicken and pork. Oh my God. And he couldn't hear and he'd start yelling and screaming, we didn't order any chicken and pork. Don't come to our house. You know, it was, I mean, we had, we had a ton of fun with Pugno, but the best thing I did, 
is he wanted to show us this really great documentary about Thurgood Marshall. And a buddy of mine, I had my buddy take the remote control okay, from, the, from, the, 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 <laughs> from the TV and the, and the VCR when he wasn't looking. You don't even know probably what VCR is now. But, um, and so when the documentary, the, the documentary is underway, my buddy is sitting behind me. He's got the remote down between his legs. All right? So we're 10 minutes into this documentary, and, I'm, and I, 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 I scream out, pause. And my buddy hits the pause button between his legs, and the movie pauses. Play does the same thing. Rewind. And I'm making it work by voice command, and Al jumps up, and he's confused. How are you doing this? He goes and gets the librarian whose name was, was Miss Ratchet. I kid you not, that was her name, and she lived up to it, by the way. And, and she comes out and says, Al, what are you talking about? How is this thing voice activated? And finally, Al, she turns around and looks at me. I guess she knew it was me. She looks at me and says, Dace, where's the remote? And I just looked at my buddy behind me and gave him and said, hand me the remote. And my buddy takes the remote out from between his legs and hands it to her. And she looks at Al. Al, come on, she says. <laughs> hits, hits play on the movie and walks out. Yes, that's, I could do an entire, Al Pugno once told me at the end of the school year, in his memoirs, I am the only student he ever had that will get his own chapter. Because I aced his class. It was my favorite subject. But I terrorized him that entire school year. Yeah. That's mine. We would have. I'm glad we met later in life. We would have hated each other, man. <laughs> I'm just hearing that story like, is no one going to punch Dace in any of these stories? Because <laughs> this is insufferable. <laughs> Todd, what about you? All right. Sorry, guys. I occupied the time. I'm sorry. Go yeah. quick. We're running out of time. I My hate bad. practical jokes. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, there think- it is. There. That's Erzin right there. Yes. Uh, for me, when I was working up at uh, Northwestern for the radio station, uh, me and a couple of my coworkers had access to the roof of the radio station, which was on the uh, campus of Northwestern. Statute of limitations is over. We were not supposed to be up there for anything other than work-related. We were up there for non-work-related things all the time. Uh, it was about this time, probably 10 years ago, uh, people are coming back onto campus for the, the new school year, which means all the couples are coming back together for, for the first time after being away from each other for all summer. We spotted a couple who were kind of doing some cuddling in front of the uh, radio station. So me and my buddy at the time, Josh, decided to fill a bucket of water go up to the roof of the radio station and dump it on them, which we did. Later found out that the guy uh, in that couple was like one of the nicest guys on campus, and I felt really bad about it. Uh, uh. Nobody, nobody pulls practical jokes on me anymore. <laughs> I'd have to go back to when I was a kid. Okay, All right, before we close this thing out, before we close it out, I got to talk about one more client, one more partner of ours, our friends over at uh, Refocus Podcast. Uh, if you are looking for uh, something that uh, helps you both when it comes to marriage, uh, culture, uh, parenting kids, uh, you just want encouragement uh, with your Christian values under attack right now in the culture. That's what the podcast Refocus with Jim Daly is all about. He's the president of Focus on the Family. They've been around for over 40 years. He's been president of that organization for almost 20 of them. It's a great resource. They reach millions of people every day uh, to share with them the hope and uh, the truth of God's truth. Uh, so he knows his stuff. And if you want to get some encouragement as well, check out Refocus with Jim Daly on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. That's Refocus with Jim Daly on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Anna, I believe there was something you wanted to tell us today instead of a third question. Wasn't there? Um, I, that was for Tuesday, but I can do it now. <laughs> 
Oh, is it Tuesday? All right. All right. Well, I had my days mixed up. We'll, we'll save it for Tuesday. All right. Question three. We've got one minute lightning round. Go ahead. Okay. My last question for you is you've been chosen to represent your country in a global competition. What sport or activity are you doing? Quiz bowl. I absolutely killed it in quiz bowl in high school. And I was better at that than any sport. Plus now I'm 50. So I'm going to be better at that than any sport. Vinegar drinking. That's not a sport, Todd. <laughs> it, I did say sport or activity, to be oh, fair. Okay, okay, that is an activity. <laughs> speaking of insufferable. Not been speaking tried? of insufferable. <laughs> right there, yeah. That, well, that's smugness. How about that? Let's see that. Insufferableness. There we go. <laughs> Uh, Smugness, yes. Aaron? Video blackjack. I'm not sure if I'm autistic or not, but I was really good at video blackjack when I was like 10 years old. (laughs) I mean, goodness. That is, the two of you just nailed yourselves right there. Todd took the most smug answer he could. Aaron chose the most random one he could have possibly chosen. You guys just were on point. That was peak Todd and Aaron right there. I loved it. We're playing fake news or not in the overtime, by the way. All right. Sounds great. Anastasia, I'll see you later tonight, honey, when I get home. All right. Be good. Bye, Dad. And for, All right. Bye. Todd and Aaron, I'll see you guys tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow as well. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.